Welcome to the Renewed Church Podcast, where we are here to have honest and authentic conversations around our pursuit of Jesus and His mission. My name is Eric Jensen. I'll be your host today as we tackle this concept of worship and the workplace. This conversation is designed to be a companion resource to our FAQ worship series that we completed recently, uh, which you guys can find out at uh, the Renew Church YouTube channel. So I'd encourage you to go out, check that out, and uh, subscribe for sure. So um, I'm joined today by two very special guests. Our first guest spent a few, uh, several decades, in fact, in the in the workplace. Um, he functions currently as our executive pastor and has the monumental task of keeping me and pa- Pastor Wade in line. Uh, we have Pastor Mitch Van Rassel. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fine, thank you. <laughs> it's good, good to have you here. Yeah. Um, we also have, over to my left here, our, our former campus pastor at Milton, uh, and still pastor over all things visual and media-related, our very good friend, Pastor Merrick Kowalski. Merrick, I'm really excited you, have, you were able to do this. As listeners will hear in a moment, you are a man who lives kind of in both worlds. So uh, I think you'll have a lot of good insights just into this topic. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. How are you feeling? I'm good. It's, it's a Monday, so you're lucky to have me. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. I know. We kind of did this on a, on a, on a, a little bit of a last-minute scenario, so I'm, I'm really glad you could work us in. Um, why don't you guys just go ahead and tell us a little bit about your experiences in the workplace um, and sort of give our listeners a little bit of context uh, into why you are sitting at this table. Merrick, would you like to go? Well, sure, as I'm drinking coffee. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. so I got kind of thrown into the workplace uh, probably before I was ready. Because I, I went away to school at Humber College in Toronto. I was from a small town, so I kind of went to the big city and was taking advertising and graphic design and, and kind of being overwhelmed with all things urban and city life and, and this new world. And, uh, and then in my, I had one semester yet to go, and I walked into class one day, and my name was on the board. And assuming that was a bad thing, I was called out after class to meet with the, the prof. At which point he invited me to a job interview. So uh, I got a job right then and there. (laughs) So I skipped my whole last semester. Um, They treated it as like an internship, but I was being fully paid and doing the whole thing. And so then I stuck it out at at that place for that agency for about 10 years. Um, I just loved the work environment and they were super supportive. And so I worked my way from kind of junior designer uh, up to a point where I was managing the whole studio staff. And the plan was I was going to take over and, and, uh, as the two owners, their husband and wife, as they retire, I would step in and, and take things on. Wow. But then uh, the 2008 recession hit. And a couple of big clients left. <laughs> and so they decided, well, rather than rebuild at this point, we're just going to yeah. mosey off into the, the sunset. And they closed the doors. So I was left in a recession in the summer, jobless, with really no choice but to make a go of it on my own. So I started my own. Business. I had a couple. They they passed me some of their clients. That some of the ones that were still hanging around, and uh, I got a couple new ones and hit the ground running that yeah, way. So been going ever since. Yeah. You know, I was just as you were telling that story, I was thinking of how many people um, who are coming out of university now would like kill for like my prof set me up on a job interview. Like that never happens, right? Like most yeah, of us yeah. don't even do the work that we. Were yeah, it was, it was to totally do. unexpected. <laughs> yeah, there was two of us. Two of our. I should clarify. There's two of our names on the board. So. Yeah. So it was pretty intense, uh, yeah, being thrown into that and then going, okay, I'm just going to leave school now. Like, this was the big last semester where we're supposed to prep our portfolios and get ready to find a job, and now I'm being thrown into one. So it was kind of interesting. But So so how would you best describe, like, your job title right now? 
Oh, my job's not, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. so I'm, I'm a, a freelance, uh, I guess you'd call me a freelance uh, sole proprietor, I just, it's just me, uh, but I do marketing and communications work, I do graphic design, but I've also started doing some writing over the years as well, so I, I kind of consult a lot too, just on, you know, so it's not just design, but it's also helping people think through their strategy and their communication plan, and, yeah. and that, and I have a lot of clients that have been with, that have been with me since the start, or, or since very close to the start, so I just know their business inside and out, so they kind of treat me as like one of their team, and I walk in, and they kind of give me the lowdown what they're trying to do, and I help them figure out how we're gonna to do that to communicate yeah. things to people. So that's awesome. If that makes sense. Cool. And Mitch, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your your work experience, kind of like where you spent most of your kind of working years and and all that stuff. Sure. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for mentioning that I worked several decades. Several. Several. Like. Yeah. I appreciate Seven that. Seven decades, right? <laughs> I appreciate or eight, that. maybe, no? Uh, I did work in the secular workforce. So I have a degree in English language and literature, which has nothing to do really with <laughs> what I did, I've done for the rest of my life. I, uh, I got out of university and, and basically got a job in sales and marketing and started making money and kind of continued on that path. And I worked for about three decades, uh, primarily <laughs> in the healthcare industry, uh, primarily in dentistry, um, yeah. in selling high-tech products and, and working in the field of dentistry. And uh, somewhere along the line, my Christian life um, became uh, much more um, active. And, and over the last 10 years of my, my working career, um, I became a lot more involved in my church, and I mm. became an elder, um, and I was leading groups and and that sort of thing. And, and in one of the groups that I was leading, um, we started praying for God to show us his will for our life. Right. And, and that was something, I was in my 50s, and I started really thinking, okay, what do I want to do? And I was praying very uh, very hard for God to show me his plan for my life. And uh, he showed me in a way that I didn't expect. He, he, uh, I had a heart attack. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Thanks, God. Yeah, yeah, appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, um, my disability claim was denied, and uh, I spent uh, a good deal of time um, not, not working and not being paid, mm. uh, which was not part of my plan, but I think it was part of God's. At that same time, our church went through some fairly uh, significant changes, um, and both Merrick and I were there for that, and, and that sort of um, forged the onset of of some changes for both of us. And mm -hmm. and uh, I got fairly involved in ministry at that time. We went through a merger as a church, um, and that's where Renew Church got its beginning. Right. And I was asked to come on full-time in the role of ministry, and I never went back to my secular job yeah. after my heart attack. And uh, so, so that was God's way of dragging me by the ear <laughs> uh, into a life of ministry. And it's been about five years now. And uh, I love it, and I can't believe it took God that long. But I think He was waiting until I was ready. Right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, which was decades and decades. Yeah, decades. Yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. just remember yeah. how yeah, many exactly. decades. <laughs> no, that's really great. And and um, I just want our listeners to know that that um, Mitch is one of the guys who kind of is always in. He he's always working hard for our church and for our campus. And so uh, Mitch works a, a lot of hours, and some people don't know that. Um, and, and Merrick does as well. And so I think that these guys have a, a really great perspective when it comes to 
um, they have a really broad experience, in other words, of, of what we're talking about here with work, work the workplace, and, and uh, seeing people, coworkers go through life. Uh, also, you know, we're going to hear a little bit about how ministry and um, the workplace kind of can collide. Um, so I'm really excited about uh, the, the conversation today. And, and really, this, this whole conversation is framed around the, um, what, what Bartley mentioned in one of his sermons, where he, he, he really enlightened us to the fact that um, work is part of a Christian's life that, that even predates the fall. Like it's, it's, it's always been part of our, our sort of DNA, our wiring as human beings to work. And so when we think about worship, when we think about work, I think a lot of times people separate the two, but that that's not necessarily how God intended it. So um, how would you guys, like, when you hear this, like, worship as work, what, what kind of hits your ear with that? Like, what do you think of when you hear that term? Well, I would say, um, so we, we've talked, you referenced the series we did, FAQ Worship, and we kind of, kind of talked about how you know, work or sorry, worship is is a part of all of life, right? Worship right. is is everything because it's how we conduct ourselves. It's how God fits into every facet of our lives and how we honor Him by how we live and 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 so I, I think a lot about that and and it's interesting because I think even in you know you know sort of a secular mindset, these divisions take place where we divide life into these little segments. And what stuck with me for a long time uh, when I f- was first starting out in my own business after after the agency I, I told you about kind of fell apart. I went to a, a conference designed for freelance creatives, mm-hmm. so it was very s- specialized. But I remember this one speaker said something that stuck with me. He was a, a designer in California. Um, he he spoke to this idea of how we segment life, and he said, you, you can't do that. All of life is life. Yeah. Y- your, your whole day is life. So you got to stop thinking about work as this separate thing. Right. And so he was talking about a lot in terms of like how we spend our time and time management, because he, he loved to surf. So he said he adjusted his hours. He would surf in the morning, and he'd work into the evening. He said, why do we create these false you know, structures of time? Mm-hmm. It's all life. So yeah. do what you want and what you need and what you're passionate about when you can. And so I think that plays into this idea of worship, too, right? That, like, work is a huge part of life. And we don't just shut things off when we walk through a different set of doors. So. Right. Yeah, I think um, you know one of the things that we want to probably try and be a little bit sensitive um, during this to during this discussion is the fact that there are some people that are blessed to have jobs where they can be very expressive very creative um, can set their own hours um, yeah. and and feel very fulfilled in their work and there are other people that may be listening to this that that actually you know just are punching a clock and getting doing everything they can to just get through the day and how, you know how many people, have we heard say, I hate my job? Yeah. Um, and whether that's a job on an assembly line or a job in a restaurant or, or whatever, the fact of the matter is that I think we want to address this issue recognizing that for some people th- there's not an incredible amount of fulfillment in what they actually do right. for work. But that being said, um, there's still a, a huge opportunity um, for those people to view work as a form of worship. Right. Um, because th- the reality is if you have to be there, you still have a choice of whether you're going to grumble and be miserable and and cut corners and do the least that you can do, or you can still strive for excellence mm-hmm. and, and, and be a witness 
yeah. um, uh, and of, of joy. I, I was thinking about this earlier today. You know, the jobs that I, typically the jobs that I had that were the real tough ones to <laughs> yeah. get, get through were, you know, shift work jobs that I had when I was working my way through school. You know, I I did uh, I did a lot of midnights and and a lot of a lot of shift work and and an assembly line type of jobs. And I was thinking about a guy named Emmanuel. I worked in a plastics factory for for one summer, and 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 it was a it was an assembly line job. It was extrusion. Extrusion is basically where the product comes out of the machine, and you're there at the other end, you know, collecting it and putting it in the box or or whatever, and you do yeah. that for eight hours, and and it's it, it can drive you crazy. And we this one particular summer, and I'm I know I'm dating myself in saying this, but we were doing uh, tracks for Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. If anybody's old enough to remember Hot Wheels, uh, it's those, still a thing. It's still is my it kids still play, is it yeah, still my, a thing? Yeah, my kids play with Hot Wheels. So the orange yeah. Hot Wheel tracks yeah. were were massive back then, and we yeah. had this contract. And we were doing them, and it was a horrible job. I mean, you just stood there, <laughs> and every four feet or three feet, the machine would snap off a track, and you'd grab it and grab the next one. But Emmanuel was this guy that used to sing and and kind of smile his way through the shift. And I remember everybody else was thinking, gosh, this is a horrible job. And I, I was talking with Emmanuel one day, and I said, why are, you, why are you so happy all the time? And he said... Are you kidding me? I won't do his Jamaican accent, but basically, in his very thick Jamaican accent, he said, "Are you kidding me, man? I get to make these toys that bring joy to kids all over the world." And when yeah. I think about, you know, kids seeing opening these things on Christmas morning or getting this for their birthday, just makes me really happy. Yeah. And I thought, wow, you know, we're all doing the same job, but Emmanuel's worshiping. It's, you it's know? perspective, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I got a quick question. Okay, what is the crappiest job you guys have ever done? I'll, I'll go first because I think mine's... Uh, so I, at one point in time... Um, well, I worked my way into this this crappy position. So I used to be the warehouse guy. Uh, I did repairs on uh, water dispensing machines for Culligan. You know, those little, like, two-valve two uh, things you see in the office. And I used to fix those. I would replace the compressors or the valves or the little electronics implements or whatever... Um, some of them had heating tanks, which was like, oh, my gosh, it's so much more more work and stuff. And uh, so I fixed those for a while and then worked my way into a sales position where I sold water for a living. And I just remember I'd spend, you know, 35, 40 hours a week selling businesses and uh, homes uh, Culligan water. And my joke was always that uh, my only competition was the, the faucet in your in your kitchen, and uh, that was that was a, that was a little bit of a challenge uh, to find fulfillment, you know, when yeah. um, when I'm really just convincing people to buy expensive water. So, what what were some of your bad work experiences? I think the worst one <laughs> lasted less than a day. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, I grew up in a rural community, and I forget what they were growing. I, maybe it was a tree farm, even, but it was a field with just rows and rows. And they hired a bunch of us. Or they, they just had this open call to come in and, and try this out. And uh, it was just down on your knees pulling weeds down an endless row in a huge farm field, just one weed at a time by hand. And I was only like 15 or 16. Oh. And I, I made it like maybe half the day before I got axed because they, they would like cut you off. Like if you weren't keeping up, they would slowly cut people as the day went on. And, and so I'm watching <laughs> people drop and thinking, 
My turn's <laughs> coming. Here it comes. <laughs> Slow down a little bit, Merrick. You yeah, got to take it home. <laughs> needless to say, I wasn't heartbroken to go home, but I had to look for something else. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I had, I had a couple of assembly line jobs in factories similar to uh, to the one I was just talking about. Well, the plastics factory was a pretty nasty job for sure. It was, and uh, it, you know, it's just one of those jobs where you're standing beside a machine and and you you challenge yourself not to look at the clock yeah. because <laughs> yeah. because you you know just you're crawling. just going to be disappointed yeah. when you look at the clock and then finally you break down and you think for sure another hour has gone by and you look at the clock <laughs> 14 and minutes it's, <laughs> exactly and 14 uh, yeah. minutes has gone by and you're just like i'm not gonna make it um i did have one factory job i worked at labats for a couple of summers yeah so that was an interesting job because especially with the union guys um because they had ways of getting through the shift uh, you know, when you work <laughs> at a brewery, surrounded by beer. When yeah. you work at a brewery, uh, they the union guys, the, the temporary guys like me, were threatened. Uh, were threatened that we would, uh, if we helped ourselves to any of the beer, we would lose our jobs. But the union guys had a little more job security, so Felt uh, it was interesting it. to watch the way they got through an eight-hour shift. Back again, this was thirty-five, yeah. forty years ago. So, well, it, it kind of—I mean, I, that, obviously, those are just funny stories. But, but it kind of brings up this idea of fulfillment. You know, you, like you were talking about how perspective changes a lot of things, and and how you know when you can find some kind of fulfillment in your work, that it, it kind of changes the game, right? Um, when when many people are kind of at their jobs that maybe they're not into, how, how would you suggest that they find fulfillment? What would you say that they should look for, or um, things that they could they could do to kind of, uh, I guess, make their work more meaningful? Well, I, I think for one thing, and, and I know everybody's not in the situation, but if you're in a, a workplace where you're surrounded by people and you're interacting with people, whether it's customers or your your coworkers, I mean, there's relationships happening there, right? Especially over periods of time, if you're in that job for a while, you get to know people really well. And you know, I'm still connected with people that I, I worked with in the past, and we get together and kind of reminisce and, and share that. And it's awesome to to see that come to fruition after all these years that those relationships still exist. So I think, it, again, it comes back to that idea that you're still living life all day long, whether you're at work yeah. or at home, whether you're doing what you want or, or what you're, you're kind of begrudgingly doing. So there's that part of it. Um, I think another thing to keep in mind, you know, if you want to kind of talk more on a spiritual level, God is always working on us and refining us and building our character and maybe even building our gifting and our skills. And you never know where God's going to take that. And it might take a yeah. while to, to see that come, come full circle. But, but I think in the everyday, that stuff is happening. And, and the example I often give is that, um, you know, before I ever started in any sort of ministry, uh, I was cripplingly shy and I was, <laughs> I was very much an introvert. Well, still am an introvert, but I, I was paralyzed by fear of the idea of public speaking. But right. as I grew in my role at, at the design agency I was with, um, I, I was directing the projects. I was managing them. I was responsible for the creative output. So the owners finally said, you got to be presenting these things to the client. So they would right. throw me into a boardroom with a bunch of suits staring at me. Thanks, boss. Yeah, yeah. like intense. And, and I'd have to present and explain our rationale and how this is the solution that they need and to walk them through it and help them believe in it the way we did. Um, and so it was, you know, all parts communication and sales job yeah. and everything all in one. And, and I actually had a bit of a knack for it, it turned out, once I got past that shyness. And, and so, you know, fast forward a few years, 
I, I attribute that to my ability to go up on a Sunday morning and preach yeah. a sermon to people. Like I, I never right. would have dreamt of doing that before. And I always look back at that experience that I had in the workplace as what built me up and made me able to do that. Not, not just get over the fear, but also to be able to communicate ideas well and with, with some bit of articulation and w- in a way people can relate to and, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, it's, it always fascinates me the way God can take something and create something out of it. And again, it's, it's a bit of a long haul and takes a while yeah. to get there. But you, you probably know. don't notice it in the moment. Like that's, that's another thing that I've always noticed is that sometimes the things that God shapes in me, I don't know, I don't realize it for a long, long time until you sort of look back. And so, uh, you know, to like listeners who would be thinking about, you know, like, well, yeah, okay, you were, you were presenting, you know, cool artwork to, you know, like a marketing strategy to, to this, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here chopping onions right. in the back of a, you know, of a, of a Swiss chalet or so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, like how do I find fulfillment? Yeah, but you know, sort of the, thing? The, but there again, that's yeah. where the progression happens. Cause if I rewind even further, what, what even alerted me to the idea that there was this cool profession of yeah. designing artwork was my dad owned a printing business. And in my teenage years, I had one of those assembly line kind of jobs of, uh, a lot of places will have a machine. Like if you have a booklet or a catalog, multiple pages, it will put all those pages together so it can be bound. bound right. We didn't have that. So all the pages <laughs> were on a table, a big, big table, and we would walk around that table putting each page in one at a time. Yeah. And uh, so I had Mitch's experience of staring at the clock going, oh, my goodness, I've been doing this for 10 minutes. It's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, 9.15 in the morning, that's it. <laughs> but it was that, that experience that I thought, that I discovered there's this whole profession out yeah. there that somebody's creating these things that I'm yeah. putting together. I don't want to be the guy <laughs> I, putting I don't want the to do this together. Forever, <laughs> I want to be the guy drawing the pictures on the cover. But, you know, <laughs> it's just that sparked something in me. And, and, and I, I, obviously there's some work ethic that was built in me in doing yeah. that too and having patience and kind of starting at the bottom, so to speak, and, and moving up in that. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I'd, and, and I'm, I'm afraid when, as I say this that I'm going to sound like an old guy, but I'll, I'll risk that. Um, you know, I think the older that you get, you, you realize that um, success in life really um, is determined by how you deal with the tough stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a- anybody can do a great job on something that's really fun, you know? It's, yeah. it's like, hey, why don't you go host this event and make it fun for everybody and your budget's unlimited. Well, yeah. if you can't do that well, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be working. But when you say to somebody, you know, go chop onions in the back and do a great job, um, when you learn how to do that well, um, there's something in that that builds character. And, and we've all had crappy jobs. It reminds me a little bit of, of our parents telling us to clean our room or yeah. telling us to go cut the grass, like chores at home, right? right. And, and I was the kind of kid that would, would procrastinate or like, oh, really, why do I have to do that? You know, and my mom or my dad would say, because I said so, that's why. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think that God's doing that to us. You know, Merrick, you know, why do I have to public speak, and God says, because I said so, that's why, because God knew where he was taking you, and it's the way our parents knew when they told us to clean our rooms or to cut the grass. Our parents have a plan for our lives, and and so we grow up, and we look back, and we go, thank goodness my parents did that. I remember swimming lessons. I hated swimming lessons. My parents made me go to swimming lessons. I hated them. I can't tell you how many times as an adult I've been grateful for the fact that I'm very confident around water. Yeah. And, and so that happens a lot in 
doing jobs that we don't like. Yeah. And we and we realize after the fact that maybe God had a plan for us and and maybe he was just teaching us to to not feel so entitled or not be so uh, you know not be so self-centered. But yeah. you know, if we're going to go into jobs and and influence other people because through our Christian witness it's going to be because we know how to do things that are unpleasant mm-hmm. without complaining, without seeming like we're the victims here. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to, I don't want to understate how difficult it might be to have a yeah. job that is boring day in and day out. But right. there are things in our strategies that you can employ if you're a believer that can make it more fulfilling and yeah. be a form of worship. Yeah. Because God will appreciate the fact that you are demonstrating to those around you that that uh, you have respect for the workplace, you have respect for your boss, and uh, all of the things that that need to get done in order for that product to get made or that right. service to be rendered. Yeah. And one thing we haven't really touched on too is, at the end of the day, you know, work is a means to an end. Also, so yeah, you know, what we're able to do with the product of that work regardless of what the work was like, you know, to be able to support our families and, yeah. and, and do good things with that. I remember, you know, even back in those agency days, even though it was the profession I wanted and, and it was something I enjoyed, there was times where I thought, this just doesn't feel fulfilling in the sense that I'm not doing anything in a, on a bigger, you know, on the bigger stage of things. Like, I'm helping people sell products right. at yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> like, what good am I contributing to the world? Yeah. And now I look and I see, you know, how I've, I've kind of built and, and reached a stage in life where last year we were able to help a Syrian refugee family and contribute to their living yeah. situation. And, you know, we just ate dinner with them this weekend and yeah. kind of enjoyed the friendship that has come out of that. And I think, wow, if I had known, you know, 10 years ago when yeah. I was feeling those feelings that, that all these years of work would just give me that one experience, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that the perspective plays a huge part in that. I mean... We can approach something with, with. I mean, I don't want to like say, you know, oh, positive attitude changes everything, but in some ways it kind of does. Like yeah. if you, if you, uh, if you come to work every day thinking about all the crap that you're gonna have to deal with, you're probably gonna encounter all that crap. Yeah. And and if you come to it with the reality that this is work and that there's gonna be hard things, but that the you know the end result is that my kids get to eat, you know, or, yeah, yeah. you know, that we get to enjoy this house and this nice neighborhood and we get to be close to family. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefits that come sure. from it too. And you never know. Well, that's the other thing I've learned is you don't yeah. know how quickly your situation is going to change. I mean, I was plugging away 10 right. years trying to work my way up and it all got snatched away in a minute. Right. And, yeah. and everything changed for me. And now been sort of rebuilding in this new phase of life. And even the last few years doing ministry and work at the same time has been extremely yeah. Stressful, and now that has changed again, and we're about to enter yet another new phase. And it's like you, you put in those years of of kind of sticking it out, and then things can happen really fast, and and your whole world is different. What are some What are some times when when you guys have not really had a good attitude, or or maybe like you've you've kind of approached work maybe with the wrong goal in mind? Um, you know, in, in other words, like what are the kind of the pitfalls that you've fallen into in the workplace uh, that maybe we could learn from? Um, one of the things that comes to mind um, is is maybe something uh, that takes this to the other end of the spectrum, and that is, I, you know, I've I've been in a few environments, um, and I won't name the, the the organizations, but I've been in a few environments where 
culturally, um, and and this this is pervasive in our, in our society where culturally, right. um, it was almost deemed heroic to be a workaholic. Yeah. Um, and and so in the corporate world, um, it it seems it's admirable to to stand there and go. Man, I, I put in 85 hours this yeah. week, you know, um, and and we all do that even in ministry. Sometimes we don't necessarily brag about it, but we yeah. sometimes lose perspective. And and um, as as a as somebody in ministry now, I find myself talking oftentimes to the most um, successful that's quote unquote successful. Um, people about finding uh, balance and finding perspective because mm. they like their work, yeah. but um, they lose balance and they lose perspective. And and oftentimes it can be a material thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, the harder I work, the nicer cars, the more vacations, the bigger boat, the, the, the better house, right. all of those things. And, and again, they're seen as extremely successful, but then they end up in a... In a pastor's office talking about mm-hmm. marriage problems or or um you know problems with their teenage kids and and oftentimes um you know FaceTime with your family is something that you can't get back and so I think our we have to be really really careful because we are a society of abundance we don't have the kind of need that maybe a lot of other societies have certainly there are there's need in our society but we have a problem where people see work as so um, admirable right. that that they forget that God put Sabbath in as one of the top ten yeah. commandments. You know, yeah. and uh, you know we think, well, I I don't murder and I don't commit adultery and I don't lie, but I don't really have to take a day off, do I? Yeah. And, and God's like, oh, yeah, it's one of the top ten. <laughs> yeah. And I put it there it's for there. a reason because <laughs> I created you guys, yeah. and I know that you need that rest. And yeah. so we have to be careful that we don't go too far to the other extreme yeah. and just make work our worship. Oh, uh, We're yeah. worshiping our work. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah that's the same same place I my mind went because it when you talk about pitfalls of, of attitude and stuff, there are times I'm, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm down, I'm low, about things, but I, I don't know that I carry a negative attitude generally, but that is the one area that I struggled in was, just, especially when I was first starting my own business, I was just taking on everything, right? You just, you know yeah. that, well, my wife had just also, we had a, a child too, our first child, and so she was on mat leave, and so I'm like, it's all on me, yeah. and, and so I was taking on everything, at the same time, I was kind of getting more involved in the church at, at that time too, and I got to a point, our second child was on the way. Uh, she was weeks away from being born, and more stuff was just hitting my plate, and w- I, I got shingles yeah. when the doctor said, you know, it's probably stress, and okay. <laughs> I, I kind of took that for what it was, <laughs> but then one day I just had a complete, like, I, I can only describe it as a mild panic attack, this sense of overwhelmedness yeah. and short of breath, and I started crying, and like, I couldn't do it, and uh, and it really was a step of faith, because here I am, brand new business, and I had to go tell my clients, I'm about to have a baby, and I can't do this. I've taken on more than I can handle. I'm taking a month off, and, yeah. and I did that, and that was like probably one of the hardest things I, I had done. Wow! And and but the you know the cool thing is they all they all came back. Yeah. Like, like nobody, nobody was like oh I'm uh, you know they could have and and I expected some would but but nobody did but yeah but yeah it's easy to make 
I don't know if I was worshiping work, but I, I, or I at least had the sense that like I had to do all this. I, I couldn't say no. Yeah. I couldn't step back. Right. Well, and, and culture programs yeah. you that way, yeah. right? Yeah. We have expressions like burning the midnight oil, and yeah. you know, you hear saying, wow, he's in here. Well, you have, he, because you remember 1812 yes, and when exactly. we didn't have power. <laughs> exactly. We don't know yeah. that that means. Well, no, well we burned oil all day long <laughs> and back then, but, um, but you know, we, we recognize people or we honor people for, you know, when I got in at 7 o'clock this morning, he was right. already there, and when I left at 8 o'clock tonight, he was still there, and, yeah. and that's a great thing, right? But I know yeah. the best job I had was one where, you know, I saw my boss you know, telling somebody, you know, what are you still doing here? It's your wife's birthday. Yeah. Get out of here. You know, <laughs> go home. Yeah. And and companies that say family first are the best companies to work for. Yeah. And oftentimes they're the companies that have, the, you know, that are the most successful. Yeah. But and I've it, worked in cultures where where it's it's been unhealthy. very, very um, close to sort of slave-driven, yeah. you know, and you're a hero if you're married to the job. Yeah. And that's not a good place hustle. To work. Yeah. A lot of people talk about that now. I mean, there is definitely a sense of that. I think that sometimes people get afraid of, or people fear the fact that if if they take time that that really they know they should, that they'll be overlooked and that you know everything will be right. won't won't pay off in the end. Um, and and especially like you guys are from a sales and marketing background, which are which are pretty pretty cutthroat worlds in some ways, you know, there's a lot of deadline, there's a lot of um, goal, there's a lot of pressure. And I think that sometimes we feel like um, if we don't have that attitude of busy, busy, busy all the time, work, work, work all the time, this is my priority, that, you know, you're going to miss out on on the good stuff. And um, yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, as a pastor talking to people about reorienting their priorities, yeah. you know, that work is like fifth on your priority. You know, like if you love Jesus, you have a church and you have children, like at least you're, you're like fifth, you know, work, yeah. work comes fifth in your priority list. And, yeah. and, and what's interesting is that we don't, we don't really approach, even in the church, we don't really approach work that way. Uh, we tend to, we tend to glorify it more than we ought, but, um, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, some of this that, that's been coming out, I think, a little bit requires discipline. Like we're talking about um, even Sabbath, like your concept of Sabbath, taking a day off and, and really devoting time to not, you know, be like I'm thinking of the, the challenge for me is every time I open my phone, I can I can start working. You know, I, I'm doing email. Sure. I'm looking at this this sort of thing. So for me, it requires a lot of discipline, you know, and. And I guess my question to you guys is how have you developed sort of that muscle in you that has helped you kind of create healthy priorities to work hard, but to also know when to rest? Like, what are some things that have helped you uh, create those disciplines? Yeah, I think it's, well, I guess I should start by saying I, I don't have it figured out, and, and I still do a lot of it wrong, but it's been a struggle of balance, and I don't say balance simply because of balancing priorities and, and time and things like that, although that is true. I think it's also a balance of perspective because I think, yes, it's unhealthy to work too much, and we can overwork and, and misprioritize work in that way. And, and a lot of people will say that to me. They, they say, you work too much. you got to give yourself permission to, to chill out and, and take a break, and that's true, and, and I appreciate people for right. saying that because that's true a lot. But on the other side, sometimes it's okay to be busy, though. 
Yeah. If your busyness is directed towards something of worth and something good, yeah. Then then that's okay too. I, I mean, a lot of what we're doing with my, you know, being involved in ministry, having my own business, my wife not working and being at home with the kids. When we made all those decisions, we said these are going to be sacrifices because yeah. we think they're going to have the best outcome in the end, and, and be good for us and be good for other people we're connected to and. And so we knew it was a sacrifice, and, and Paul says we should you know, be living sacrifices. Right. But you also have to have that sense of, okay, when have I pushed too far? When do I need to just step back? And, and so really having that balanced perspective of, of when am I putting in good work that's of value, and when do I need to know that the world's not going to fall apart if yeah. I take a day off here and hang out with my kids or right. my neighbors or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Austin and I have learned kind of the hard way in some of that of like helping each other calibrate. Um, sometimes I I am I can I can kind of lean both ways in some way. Like I can be too lazy and procrastinate things and yeah. sort of like yeah. you know put it off because I'm like oh yeah family time comes first you know and I can almost yeah. like justify it. and and my wife is really good at like kind of uh, we, pushing the issue and like talking about our schedules and. And that's been really helpful for me just to have somebody else there who's kind of like in it with me um, and, and opening those doors. And I know that sometimes in relationships that that communication does, doesn't always work super, super great, you know. But uh, that's just been really helpful for me. Yeah, we, we miss our own cues a lot, I think. Yeah. Uh, and inter- like I noticed that, too. I can think I've got it all under control and, and I can think, you know what, I'm not stressed. I, I got a lot of work, but I'm busy and I'm doing yeah. good stuff. But then I realize I'm snapping at my kids. Mm-hmm. My wife seems distant. And then yeah. I go, OK. Things aren't as good as I think they are right now. So, yeah, it is good to have those people in your life who can speak into you and say, hey, we see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think you hit on something a few minutes ago where you sort of said, you know, having having your priorities laid out and kind of understanding where work um, fits in and, and being purposeful about that. Because the thing about, and this isn't just about work, this is kind of about everything, but if you're not, if we're not purposeful, life moves so quickly that that it just controls us, right? right. I, like, I don't think I don't know a lot of people who um, have time to sit around and think, "What should I do now?" You know, everybody kind of gets swept through their day, and at the end of the day, you're either content with what you accomplished, or you feel like you you didn't accomplish as much as you needed to. And eventually, at some point, and this is what Merrick is talking about, something happens to where you kind of go, "Oh, I'm missing the mark," or "I'm I'm my priorities are off, and, and my work is controlling my my life, and I'm I'm going." you know, in a, in a wrong direction, you know, and we're all in different seasons. I think about what Merrick's going through right now with three young kids and a couple of jobs. Well, you know, my, my, my daughter is grown up. I have a, a young grandson now and, uh, I'm a single guy, so I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to be home for supper right. because somebody's sitting there waiting for me or, um, so I have a lot of freedom yeah. to make my, my own decisions. But that being said, I have elderly parents. I have a dad who has dementia, and I have a mom who's dealing with him, mm-hmm. um, which is really hard. Yeah. And and sometimes I realize that I'm letting my job keep me away from those responsibilities yeah. because I'm I'm busy. And and in ministry, um, there's a lot of evening. Uh, opportunities to work um and i like how you frame that opportunities opportunities yeah. to work and and that's oftentimes where the need is greatest at, at my yeah. parents house because that's when my dad's 
uh, dementia seems to manifest itself more and become the most challenging. Um, and so I think I need to constantly remind myself where does work fit in with mm -hmm. my priorities? Because for sure, um, whatever's, whatever's taking my attention today, I won't remember five years from now, but I will remember that maybe I didn't spend enough time with my dad while I had the chance because right. he's going to be gone. Yeah. And, and so I have to constantly remind myself that whatever I think is so important today is not that important. Right. Um, and what's most important is to make the decisions that will allow me to live without regret right. and allow me to honor God by the way that I spend my time. Because in addition to, in addition to um, the commandment about the Sabbath, there's commandments about honoring your parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's, you know, and we know that, that God has expectations of us in terms of how we parent our children. And mm -hmm. so we have to find ourselves in a place that we can, you know, because we won't, we won't go, wow, you know, look at the car I'm driving because I worked so hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you can't take it with you, all that stuff, all right. right? So having, having uh, priorities that we're aware of and, and being purposeful about what we allow our work to contribute to in our lives, I think is important. Yeah. No, that's really good. That's really good. Um, I'm thinking now just about listeners who, who might not have like a traditional uh, workplace environment, you know, like maybe students or like my wife's like a stay-at-home mom, right? And so how, how, what would you say to, to, to people who find themselves in a situation where it's, it's, it's maybe not like punching a clock nine to five, um, but it's, it's work in a different sense? Um, how can they find sort of that same fulfillment, that same worship um, in a sort of a non-traditional environment? I think it comes, well, you could come back again to the, you know, the relationships and the people you're involved with and, and yeah. what you're connected to, for sure. Uh, just, I'm just thinking of the examples you gave, like students, you know, you're you're surrounded by other students or, yeah. or you know, if they're working sort of, you know, part-time jobs, there's people there they're connected with. If you're talking about the stay-at-home mom, well, wow, you're, you're supporting a family, like, I don't know where we would be after after all this discussion about what I'm doing. I don't know where we would be if my wife had a job too. Like our our family would be a mess. Right. So she's doing a ton to support me and our kids, and and then at the same time, you know, she's connecting with other moms who are going through the same sort of phase of life as her, and 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 I think finding fulfillment in doing that too, being able to to be a support for other people. So I, I think that's certainly yeah a facet to it. So I'm hearing like community and camaraderie and yeah. like there's sort of like a yeah, it can kind of like feed yeah, the well, relationship. Yeah, well actually that's that's a good way to put it. Community. You can find community anywhere. Anywhere. Well, or yeah. or you can make it if it's not there. Yeah. You can be the the impetus for that for that cuz I'm just thinking of all the circles of life we travel in whether it is work or or church or our neighborhood or our school, our kids school, the the sports they're involved in, there's these little pockets of community and mm -hmm. and we have found anytime we kind of extend a little invite or, or or just make that step of being hospitable in those situations people seize on it, right? Whether you just yeah. like invite the baseball team for a barbecue or, or whatever, people are, are ready to, to snap that up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things, um, and, and I think we can make this mistake sometimes as, as church leaders. Um, you know, we, if we, if we uh, say we have a successful guy who finds Jesus and starts coming to the church and, and gets baptized, and, and we look at him and go, wow, he's, he's a great speaker, he's really well composed, 
immediately we start thinking, I wonder if we, we can make him into some sort of leader in the church. Yeah. You know? um, and, and the thing I think that we need to encourage not only ourselves, but everyone who, who comes to church to think about is that, um, you know, the word vocation doesn't, doesn't just apply to ministry, right? So when you talk about stay-at-home moms, right. I, I, know, I know your wife, and, yeah. and, and she's an amazing stay-at-home mom, and that is her vocation. There's no yeah. question about it. And, and the way that she embraces that and the way that she uh, gives herself to that, to that job, mm-hmm. that vocation, is, is worship. Yeah. There's no question about it. And, and so, you know, we shouldn't just be saying, well, let's turn her into a children's leader at church right. so that she can worship the Lord you yeah, know, yeah. With, her, with her talents. I mean, God puts his thumbprint on all of us in, and gives us things that we're good at. Yeah. And, and if we can take those things and see them as, as a vocation mm. um, and, and honor the Lord through using those skills and talents and gifts in whatever we're doing, not just on Sunday mornings in a church environment, um, I think I I think that's got to make God real happy, and that's that's a true form of worship. Yeah, well, it kind of comes back to how we define worship. It's it's giving something of ourselves, you know, in with, with with God as the focus, right? You know, and, and we can, you know, like we said through the through the sermon series, through these other podcast episodes that we've done, it's it's all about just. The, the the having the right heart and the right intention with it, um, you know you can you can pull weeds you know to the glory of God you know yeah. uh, maybe you can't I, I, well yeah <laughs> I, I struggled with that but yes, somebody yeah. out there did yeah maybe yeah, better right? people can you can extrude you know Hot Wheels <laughs> yeah, like we can do all these things that that may seem meaningless on the outside but we can do them in a way that honors and glorifies God and um, and really puts it has to do with the mission too, you know, like I think sometimes we forget that, you know, that, that the people that we're in relationship with, like Merrick, you talked about that, you know, if you're a student, like you, you can work hard and you can, you know, if you're there just for yourself, you're going to probably be pretty, pretty lonely. And if, yeah, but you could be like an Emmanuel who like, you know, Mitch is, exactly. Mitch is praising his, his, you know, just the way he appreciated his job and what he's doing in, in extruding the Hot Wheels tracks, but also think of the impact he had. Mitch is still telling the story how many decades? Nine hundred years later. <laughs> yes, and, exactly. And so he's transforming <laughs> the space he's in with, with right. yeah. who he is. Right, like that's awesome. Yeah, he yeah. made a difference. And the thing is, you know, we're we're, we're studying Malachi now, right? And we yeah. were t- we had a co- talked a couple weeks ago about about God saying to the Israelites, you know, why are you offering me lame sacrifices? You know, yeah. you're you're taking the lame goats or the blind goats and you're offering them to me. Well, that's yeah. the same thing. If we you're going the through thing. the motions in your job and you're yeah. not you're not you're not giving it your best, that's that's I I think God's looking at us going, What do you want me to do with that? Yeah. Like give me a good day's work. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um so And it, I, I think, yeah, just to just kind of bring it back to this idea, because I don't want us to lose this. I want to ask this question. Um, when, when we're in our workplace environment where, where maybe we're feeling fulfillment, maybe it's because we're doing something we love, but, um, you know, maybe not. But regardless of that, there is a mission there for us that we can participate with Jesus in whatever he's doing, you know. And it might be for our good, you know, like you were saying, that you had to do all these, um, you know, presentations that really built something in you. But it, it might be, you know, building Hot Wheels tracks and, and that probably doesn't have a whole lot of application in your life now uh, other than maybe the lessons that you pulled from it but 
how can we look at our workplace as a, a mission that God has given to us, that we're always supposed to be making disciples, you know, teaching them and teaching people around us and being, living out the gospel wherever we go? How, how can we look at our workplace more like that? Well, I, I, I think, you know, we all know that, that um, we can't be witnesses for God if we're not joy, joyful and, and content. No, nobody's going to come to us. Nobody's going to look at us and say, gee, I wonder what's going on. Uh, what's, I wonder what's going on with that guy if we're miserable. How can I be more like that miserable right. guy? Yeah. Uh, but people are going to say, you know, I, I want to be more like that guy who, who always seems to be in a good mood. Um, even when he has bad days, his, the way he handles it is different. And, and we've all known people like that in our right. lives. We've, we've all known people, and they, they haven't necessarily been Christian. But, you know, I, I remember uh, talking to the youth group a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and one, of, one of the young people was asking, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not as cool because I, I don't necessarily get in on some of the, some of the jokes and stuff yeah. like that and the gossip. And, and I remember encouraging them by saying, you know what, just be who you are and, and, and stick to your principles because what you'll find is that when people are struggling, when their world is falling apart, they're going to come to you. And I think that that can happen in the workplace. And we've probably yeah. all experienced that. We've probably known that when we're working in an environment, and it doesn't matter what you're doing, but we've got coworkers who have problems in their lives, and they, mm -hmm. they're always dealing with stuff. And we want to be the kind of people that when their life is falling apart or they're, they've got a problem, they think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go talk to Eric. I, yeah. You know what? They're going to find you at lunch and, or on a break and say, hey, I got something I want to talk to you about, you know? And, and that, to me, is, is being on mission. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think so. Very good. Yeah, did you want to add something to that? Or? Yeah, no, I just resonate with what Mitch was saying because I, I feel like, yeah, you're, you're always reflecting your values and the God we follow every part of every day. And, and over time, people start to see that. I remember, you know, working with a, uh, somebody. I, they were a, a writer, and we were on a call working on a project, work for worked with her for years and she drops an F-bomb and she all of a sudden stops herself and goes, I'm so sorry. I've yeah. noticed you never swear. And I, why is that? Right? Yeah. She, she thought that was unusual. And she should apologize. <laughs> right? and not, not to say we got to be kind of legalistic all the time or anything like that, but she just noticed something. Or I think of other people who I've worked with for many years and all of a sudden they see me out in the community because we're, we're doing something for like the, the past egg hunt right, right. that we did in, in Milton. Um, I had families coming through, people I worked with, coming up with their kids. I'm like, oh, what are you doing here? And yeah. you know, I'm giving their kids candy and prizes. And, and they just they start to see the sum total of your life yeah. beyond just those working hours, too. So yeah. you know, I think we're, we're sort of always on in that sense, right? And yeah. we should be, because if, if this is what we believe and these are the values we hold to, it should reflect in everything we do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, I think, as you were talking about that, I... I remember times where I've actually kind of screwed the pooch on that, you know, where I've really not represented myself in well, yeah, a way that's the other way. that's sort of like gospel oriented, and that that sure that I I you know I remember one guy saying like, hey, I thought you were like a church guy, you know, and then I'm like, oh, 
crap. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you just never yeah. feel worse about it. But I, I think it's it is important that people people do watch us. You know, that people do yeah. kind of know, especially if we if we um, you know if we proclaim to be followers yeah. of Jesus. And you don't want to put up. It's not that we want to put on some yeah. veneer or something. Yeah. But, no, I but, was doing something super dumb. Yeah. So okay. you know, <laughs> like yeah. you know, it was just. It was just one of those things where you fall into to, to, to habits of, of your culture and your yeah. work environment yeah. where you're actually feeding the negative the, instead of being part of the positive. But those, those can be moments in themselves, too. Yeah. You know, well, it definitely taught me lessons. You know, well, yeah. we're all human, right? And Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So. The thing is, you got to be ready sometimes to answer some questions <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. with wisdom. I, you know, yeah. I've been asked a couple of times. You know, I, I think I've shared this with you guys about a buddy of mine whose dad passed away, and uh, you know, he came up to me and said, "Hey, God boy, uh, where's yeah. my dad now? You know, where yeah. is he?" Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, he's basically asking me to tell me if his dad's in heaven or, or not. And uh, I, I didn't know that much about his dad and everything. But he was looking to me to yeah. somehow make some sense out of a very difficult time in his life. Yeah. And the fact that he came to me um, out of all the people that, that were there um, was kind of cool. Um, but as I said, <laughs> it made me realize maybe I need to have some, some better answers sometimes. And, yeah. and that comes with... Age. Age. <laughs> yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Still working on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um well guys, I think uh I think yeah, this has been a great great podcast. I think a great conversation that sort of opens the door to think about work, to think about it in the context of worship and just kind of like try to focus on um what what truly is gonna fulfill us in our day, in our week, um and, and really to, to to try to follow hard after Jesus and all of that. So um, for all you listeners, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, join us next time as we dive deeper into these questions about worship. Again, my name is Eric. I hope that you will join our subscribers list and keep up in the latest content uh, from Renew Church Canada. Thanks a lot. See you guys. See ya. Back to work. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs>